Good evening, everybody. This is Chef Mort, one of your hosts for Returning to Eden. My co-host, Dina Dye, is with me. Hello, Dina. Hello, Jeff. How are you this evening? I'm doing really well, and uh, I hope the same as you. Of course, we've been talking for half an hour. <laughs> yeah. uh, we should have just recorded that for the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dina and I prep for the show. We, we come on uh, half an hour earlier, and we kind of go over what we're going to talk about, or we kind of decide what we're going to talk about, <laughs> or we kind of just throw a few ideas out there. But uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, Dina's upcoming series, Israel TV Net, uh, Network Radio, Israel TV Network TV or .com. New station started about a year ago. Dina, yep. you have one of the most popular programs on there. So you're going to be doing a, a program called, um, what's the name of it again? The Kingdom in John's Gospel. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, folks, as uh, she prepares for that. But there's a few things that I want to go over before the show gets gets going here. We might run a little bit longer tonight. A uh, couple of things. I received an email, okay, from somebody saying, they asked in the email, do you have a thing for Dina Die?" <laughs> I suppose I should have expected that email sooner than later. Yep. But uh, uh, well, yeah, of course I do. She's a brilliant teacher, a good friend, and I I learn a lot from her. She's my co-host. I have a bigger thing for my wife. Okay. Amen, brother. And, and uh, my husband. Amen. <laughs> so, and I do get a lot of emails from people complimenting uh, our show, and complimenting. Um, you know, the material that we talk about, I'm kind of the guy that the sounding board for, for Dina in a lot of ways. But also I have, you know, my whole thing is coming against racism and whatnot. But I want to take a few minutes to kind of make a statement about that email so that I don't get any more of them, okay? <laughs> what what happened to me 10 years ago, I had a, I had a download. I, I can't explain it any other way. Um <clears throat> In one moment, I had a Christian background in the Bible, and then the blink of an eye, in the blink of an eye, I had a different concept, and I didn't quite understand what happened to me in literally a nanosecond. And so I, I for ten years have been trying to sort through these concepts that are in my head that are in the Bible, but none of them were Christian concepts. And I'm not slamming Christianity, although I did a whole lot of that in the beginning, uh, because I got rejected by by my Everybody in my church, my pastors, it was just amazing. But I was trying to figure this out. What is this? Anyway, to make a long story short, I started going on the Internet looking for, for things that, that sense to me. Of course, I, this all happened the day I met Pastor Mark Biltz, and I've learned an awful lot from him for what he teaches. Uh, but then there was Bill Cloud, and there was Rico Cortez, and there was... Uh, oh my God, Alisa Halloween, and just so many people that I I began to tap into, and they were they were teaching something that was it was congealing in my spirit. But about four years ago in Portland, Oregon, I saw Dina Die talk, and I had seen her on God's Learning Channel channel ten years ago, and watched her a little bit, not much, but I knew who she was. So anyway. <clears throat> About four years ago in Portland, Oregon, down at Love for Israel Conference, some of you might be familiar with that, uh, Dina said something when she was speaking. I went in there. I had moved up here from there, and Dina said something, and it was like a spark. She said, so just picture the nation of Israel growing inside of Egypt, uh, 
like a child growing in the womb. And, and that was like um, the lightning bolts and thunder because I understood that concept. And I was immediately able to tie that to all women and the very purpose and function of why God created both the man and the woman. Uh, so I, I saw something about the birth of everything. When she made that statement, so I went, I got to know this lady. So I started following her intimately. We, I brought her to the Pacific Northwest. We had a very small audience a couple of years ago uh, because I read her book, The Temple Revealed in Creation. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is what the Lord showed me 10 years ago. And so when I'm on her website watching some of the stuff or listening or learning or reading her books or doing this show, she's filling in the holes of what happened to me 10 years ago. So when she says that God rested Adam into the garden, I don't see a giant hand placing a butt-naked man into a garden. I see a person being appointed to a position. Understand it from that perspective. It's so fluid to me, so comprehensive, that I don't need to go outside of the box to understand it. So my connection to her is because I, I'm just like simpatico with what she's teaching, and particularly about the temple. The other thing about that is I've been a black dude my whole life, okay? <laughs> I don't think that's I know what like to kind of be pushed down, and I have to fight my way and claw my way. But I've also seen the same kind of thing happen with women. And I'm not talking about a black or white thing. I'm just talking about how people are. And people are awful sometimes. And so one of the things that I wanted to do with Dina Dye as a black person or a person or just Jeff was to get behind her and promote what I understood that this woman was teaching. Okay, So for me, promoting her is doing two things. It's, it's like filling in all of the gaps of this new understanding that I have as we fumble along, but also it's promoting someone that I think is, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, just brilliant. I yeah, think the, the amount of study and research, and then there's that thing that all women bring to the table, wisdom. Mm, and so yeah. what you do for me is you take the ethereal that God showed me 10 years ago, wiped out of my brain, the abstract, the fantastical, snakes talking to women, all this stuff, you make it human, and you put it in a construct whereby I can follow the biblical patterns. So for me to say that God began, it's like Moses. Moses is storing, restoring, and I'm going to say this, the Hebrew root to the children of Abraham, the descendants of Jacob. He's Instead of him going all the way back to Noah, he goes back to the plan that initiated the birth of the nation of Israel, which I believe started with Adam. Yes. And your book addresses that. And so, folks, in the six minutes that I've been talking about this, I just want to set the record state straight. This is about study and research and friendship and relationship. And the one thing Dean and I never do is argue ourselves to a place of understanding. It's just like automatic. And mm -hmm. I wanted to share that with the audience. So, Dina. Uh, thank you that. for being there. Thank you for writing those books, and I appreciate what you're doing. But more than that, 
thank you for being in service to the king. Well, amen. And, you know, I, I've often felt, you know, <laughs> kind of alone in this. It, it is a challenge. It is difficult. There's a lot of, uh, well, there is a glass ceiling that sometimes has to be broken through. But, I, you know, I am I'm basically a very practical person. I, you know, believe that the Father just kind of made me that way. So when I look at things, I look at it always from a practical place. So I have never, you know, in my early years in, I was in church for quite a few years, and when we were in the Pentecostal charismatic church, I, you can imagine, I had a really difficult time because I just, I don't operate out of emotion. I operate out of rationality, logic, and reason, which isn't to say, you know, I don't have emotion, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> And I, I feel that that, you know, it, it's missing, uh, well, it was missing then in the church. And there is, I think there's a hunger in people to have things be emotional so they can feel something. And that gives them some sort of insight into what's happening. But, you know, I'm a historian. That's the prophecy club. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't, I was not going to quite that way. And, and that, you know, that. Prophecy Club has become a problem. Uh, I'm a historian. I, I love history, and history Amen. certainly uh, from you know the earliest civilizations, you know we see the pattern. So I look at the pattern of history because human beings respond in history the same way over and over and over again. And I think that's more the key to understanding our faith than this sort of emotional whatever hullabaloo thing that we go through. So I've tried to write from that perspective. Um, I do believe this the second book, and just let me just mention that it went to formatting today. So uh, we are just weeks away here from it being published. But I, 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 my sense is this second book is actually better than the first book. And I think it is so rich in this understanding. I mean, I, I've just spent, you know, 200 and some pages just on the garden. You know, this book is just about the garden and the temple pattern. And there, there's a lot of, and you know me, every sentence is packed full of information. I don't, there's no fill in this book. I don't have endless scriptures that I just fill in so that I have a long book. <laughs> I, I remember when I was writing my book, and I thought, what am I going to write here? Well, I'll just fill this page up with scripture. Yeah. And, and it was an easy thing to do, but, it, you know, I did, that wasn't really what I was trying to accomplish. So I, well, people, I mean, and people do that in books, and people do that when they're teaching. And I, I try to make my teaching and my information as efficient as possible. Just get to the point. And so, uh, anyways, I'm very excited about the book, I'm, and I'm excited, you know, that... You are somebody that gets it. I, you know, sometimes I, I'll teach and people seem to receive the information, but it's sort of that moment and then they just move on. You know, it's not in their core. I'm trying to get this into people's core so that it is their filter by which they understand the scriptures. And it's no good, you know, it can't be on the outside. It's got to be right there, you know, in the essence of who you are to, to, to understand this. So I do appreciate all that you've done. To help me, because <laughs> I am the world's worst at promotion. <laughs> well, I um, 
folks, I've been doing this ever since I got into this 10 years ago. I started promoting all these people. <clears throat> um, and the one thing that I, that I don't want to do, one thing I try not to do is quote scriptures in, in the sense that if I'm having a conversation, then somebody goes, well, what about what Paul says? Okay, that to me is like, okay, time for me to run. I need to put the skates on and skate away from this person because I don't, I don't want to have that conversation. I'm like Dina. I want to look at the historical application, not the religious connotation from a, from a theological, doctrinal mindset that is completely disconnected from the historical account. So I'm with you on that 100%. In fact, when I was in high school, history was, was my creme de la creme is why I went to school. I believe in history, <clears throat> and that opens a whole doorway of opportunity for me to go into a lot of discussion. But in terms of history, I look at the Bible as a historical account of the raising up of life in this earth. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing to me when we take our eyes off what the Christians didn't do and the Jews didn't do and the Muslims are probably going to do and just focus on what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is doing, we see that it's still all happening yeah. and we're and the part thing, of the story we're just what what i'm trying to do is is show you the language of that history Amen. so we're going back to that the ancient culture that time and and here are the here's the language as best i can i mean obviously i don't understand everything by any stretch but to to bring that to light the the world of the ancient kings and, and how the battles they fought and who who they fought it and their strategies and their military campaigns and all these things uh, have a you know they're talked about they're not talked about in the Bible in in sort of uh, in ways not like we see it today you know and so we're trying to we're trying to dig in and understand that world and how you know just that one thing and I talked about quite a bit in my in my book that kings in the ancient world were called gardeners. Like that to me, when I uncovered that, that is just huge. And so it's no small thing that Yeshua, you know, is the chief gardener <laughs> in so many ways. That is the language of kingship. And it's what, you know, we're talking about the, the kingdom in John's gospel. When we pull out these things with, with vineyards and we talk about the, the festivals in terms of gardening, producing fruit in, in the cycles of the festivals. It's all language of kingship. And this is what, you know, this is what we're trying to get to, to help people, you know, better understand, understand scriptures. Well, it's like, um, it's like Moses. If, when, you, when, when we're talking about Moses, Moses is talking to a people that have been enslaved and eviscerated and their culture has been denied and their story from from those who've conquered them has been revised rewritten so what moses is doing is he's using the culture of his day to tell a story that's 1500 years old and so he's using imagery and mythology and all of these things that were quite common they didn't have professors they didn't have a language kind of thing that we have but what he's doing is he's telling a story, a lot of it in a midrashic form, that would have he didn't have to explain that. So when he says, now the serpent, who was more craftier than all the beasts of the field, he's using imagery to talk about an evil king that they would have all connected to Pharaoh, 
but they would have realized that Moses is talking about an evil king 1,500 years earlier because he's telling a story. And once you begin to move into that arena and you start deciphering the imagery and the, um, the analogies and all of this language that was the way they communicated storytelling, then you begin to, I'll tell you what, folks, the literal meanings that we have embraced for the last 1,500 years evaporate because we're starting to realize that Moses isn't talking, uh, you know, the snake came up and started introduced itself and started talking to Eve. That's not human. That's not what happened. And so we have to understand that Moses is telling a story about something in order to restore the identity of what was lost to the people he's telling the story to. That's what the entire Bible is trying to communicate to all of us. We're not separated from that culture. We're, we're a generation or two. We're a product of it. And we have to realize that being a product of it doesn't make us different from it. We just have to go back and find out what the foundation is that we come out of. And that's well, what this program is all about. And as we're doing, as we're uncovering the history and the culture and the language, the context, etc., obviously we don't live back then. Obviously there are many cultural things that, <laughs> that are not the same, never will be the same. That's okay. And so even in our Bible study, as we try to unlock what, you know, the context of the passages, we can always make um, a biblical application in our lives and for present day the principles are timeless they don't change so that's the thing that we can grasp onto after we've done our research we've done our homework we we understand the time that something is being written in we can look at the the principles and we can make application in our lives and and I I think that's really important I always try to tell people that wherever I go I, I understand that I'm bringing to you the ancient Near East world, its culture and language, but let's just take these principles now that we've uncovered this and let's apply them to our lives today. Well, the reason why that's even even more so important is because the principles that Dean is talking about that we're all familiar with, they're, they're, they're for our benefit and they're, they're, they're put into play in order to protect life. So the protection of life applies to every generation. And all of the principles, the laws, and the statutes that guard that whole thing apply to every generation because that was the heart of the Creator, was to protect the seed, to build a house to protect the seed. We just have to go back into the mind of the writers, and we have to appreciate the fact that those writers were appointed to do this based on their time, their culture, and the reality that they lived in. That's when the Father purposed it to be passed down to us. So we have to respect the writer not um, mischaracterize him or use his words to fit our concepts of things. We have You can't write a book and imagine that everything the writer's talking about you understand completely if you don't appreciate the writer. Mm -hmm. and that's what we're talking about. Now, Dina, you wanted to talk about, I want to get into the, the, to the series that you're bringing okay. up, and I want to understand... Just give people the, sh the synopsis or the short version of what you're trying to say here in the series. And how long is the series? How many shows? Well, that's, you know, I just went to uh, Amarillo. I filmed for Israel TV Network, and I filmed 10 programs 
on the Kingdom and John's Gospel, and I barely made it to chapter 4. So, needless to say, this is going to be a long series. But I felt that it was important to lay the groundwork to understand. Everything's about the kingdom and kingship. And so John, the book of John is no different. And I've already mapped out chapter 1. I'm not going to go through that again. You can listen to some previous programs. But what I did was, uh, in the four, barely four chapters that I covered, was look for code words that indicated language of kingship. So I kept doing that over and over again. Of course, I again outlined that in, um, in Genesis chapter 1. Um, one of the things that we find, especially uh, in John chapter 1, that's what I meant to say, is the language is very ethereal. It's really hard, you know, like I said, I'm very practical, so I like, like, what does it actually mean? So, you, you know, you start out, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and He was with God, and the, I mean, like, is that just totally outside? That's just, like, I don't even get that. And then the hymn was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. I mean, how abstract can you get with that kind of language? So I'm looking at that language going, okay, th this means something concrete. You know, how are we going to look at it? Well, in the ancient world, light represented order. In fact, the word for light is or, yeah. where we get order. Yeah. And darkness represented chaos. So now we have this order chaos thing that only the king can bring order to the sphere in which he rules over. So talking about in him is life and the life is the light of men is talking about a king bringing order to, to, that, to that sphere and it, that the light has overpowered the darkness. That is that the light brought order and pushed back the darkness. Exactly the same thing that we have in Genesis chapter 1 when the, the earth is tohu, vavohu, empty and void and, you know, the spirit hovered over the waters, and then light. I mean, they're exactly the same. And, of course, when we read in Genesis 1, it sounds very abstract as well. But it does. it is something very concrete. And so John, of course, is going to bear witness to the true light, the true light speaking of a king who brings order to every man. So it's that kind of language that I'm trying to, uh, to show people as I go through the book. And well, and also, in addition to that, we're talking about John 1500 or 16, 1800 years after Moses. But it's interesting, he begins to quote Moses in his language and in his day because they're talking about the same subject. Yes, what and it Moses, doesn't have to be exactly the same. That's exactly right. So, what yeah. Moses is talking about is he's restoring the people back to the identity of the king and the kingship. And John starts doing the same thing, only the difference is John has a, has a witness to the very thing that Moses said would happen. He's now a witness, and he's affirming it, but he's also quoting what was common knowledge to all of those who studied the text uh, or the scrolls. And so, Dina, where do you go and like this? Where are we going with this whole thing about John and kingship? How do you... How do you tie? How do people get this when they're listening to it for the first time? What are we? What are we, What are you trying to accomplish here? Well, I just uh, my sense is that we have we have I don't know if we've lost it. I don't even know if we ever had it. To you know, we've talked about kingdom government. It it is essential to understand that Yeshua is the king, 
he was the Messiah, the anointed one, and everything about kingship is and the language of kingship is found in the book of John. So we're in order for him to go into the temple and overturn the table, the money changers tables, you don't just do that unless you've been given the authority by God as king to clean up the mess and restore order. That was his purpose and function for going in there was to restore order to the sacred sphere. So everything that he does in the book of John is about restoring that order. The ultimate, of course, is his death, his crucifixion on the tree was to bring order to the sacred sphere, which is the earth or the world or however you want to put it, as king. And he, and see people, what we when you follow the book of Leviticus and you start following the procedures, that the procedural things that had to be done, you begin to realize that, oh, so that's why Jesus, Yeshua, was baptized, is because he was being recognized as the high priest. And in order for him to even go into the temple and, and have that authority, it had to be an ordained thing. So we see yeah. the whole thing playing out. John had to become less because he recognized the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he had to, he had to perform the the function of the high priest passing on the mantle, if you will, and that's what's actually happening. Nobody watching this happen in that hour would have said, "Oh, he's he's being baptized for sin." That that wasn't right. that would have been in their concept. That wasn't. They were well, recognizing the I mentioned before, because uh, when he came up out of the water, the dove yep. lighted on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the language of beloved son, that is language of kingship, because every son who was raised up to be king in the ancient Mesopotamian world was called beloved son. son right. They would have known that. And uh, so that was a declaration. Uh, I have... Uh, often thought that his life is a process of uh, of becoming king, if you will. Like at, at his birth, we have language of kingship, and at his immersion, we have language of king. And when he's the transfiguration, when he's on the mountain, we have language of kingship. It's all through. It's as though the process is unfolding until finally he's resurrected from the dead, and he's you know fully king of kings and lord of lords. And the authority. The thing that we need to understand is for the three and a half years, however you want to look at it, what he basically did was challenge the authority of the nations. He challenged the authority of the day. He never stopped. And I like how you mentioned his birth because people don't realize that the swaddling cloths, or some people don't realize, that the swaddling cloths that he was wrapped in in the manger were actually the, the, the garments of the high priest. Yeah, and the same garments that were used to, as wicks in the menorah yes. because so the menorah him. isn't it funny how the father just weaves all this together and he tells the story but here's the problem if we don't understand what the book of John is communicating and if we don't understand the, the concept that Moses has in his head we can be just about one of 600,000 different re interpretations yeah and that's, and that's the that's, that's the big problem yeah. yeah, and that's why it's essential to get back to the history, language, culture, and context so that we don't have, I mean, it's why we have 38,000 denominations who each think, you know. Again, what I've said numbers of times is that 
the, the Bible is, is written in patterns and cycles. What yeah. we do in modern day is we take a pattern and we turn it into a doctrine and then we turn it into a theology when it's really just a pattern. And then we present it to a bunch of emotional people whose lives are all screwed up and they grab onto it and they kind of bite down on it and say, oh my God, that was good. I got to come back next week and get some more of this. When or, really, what we really need to do is bring some of the information that we've started ourselves to the discussion or to the sanctuary or to the body because we, we are accountable to the blood that received all of us. Mm-hmm. And so we have to realize that we're now citizens of that kingdom and we have to represent the king, not the religion and not the doctrine and not the theology. We have to represent the king. Now, I, I got to close the show, but I need to talk about a couple of things before I go that I didn't mention earlier, Dina. People can, okay. can watch the series. Oh, by the way, folks, January 4th is our one-year anniversary of doing this show, Returning to Eden. <laughs> we, we started. It is. We started on Messianic Lamb Radio, uh, and then we switched over to Worship and Word Radio. And Worship and Word... Word Radio with Scott and his family. They're going through a transition soon enough. Uh, they're relocating out of California to Idaho. So uh, Dean and I are working on, because that means the whole studio, everything's going to be torn down and they won't be able to broadcast our program. So for that duration. But we're you know, we working on some other things to try to do the show. And we might not, we might, I think it's in our, for time sake, I think it's in our mind to pre-record the show because most of you are listening to the archives anyway, yeah, and then uh, rebroadcast it. And so we might even eliminate the way we're doing the show here. We have to, I have to figure this out because, like Dina said, I you know, don't ask me. Uh, she, <laughs> <laughs> so I have to figure this out. And one of the things that uh, I did recently, Dina, and I talked to you about it, I spent 60 bucks on Facebook, and I'm starting to learn that Facebook is a different dinosaur when you're looking at it for a different purpose. And uh, I spent 60 bucks to try to get our show uh, out to more people, and that's kind of how Facebook works. Facebook started by connecting people. Now they charge you for it in the form of advertising. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, about the size of it. <laughs> rather than just go on Facebook because I have nothing else to do, I'm trying to find a different way to use Facebook because we get some amazing compliments from you folks, um, and I want to try to expand the show. So it takes money to do that. I'm not asking you for money. I'm just telling you it takes money. Let me say that again. It takes <laughs> money to do that. One more time. Practical. It takes money to do that. So I'm trying to learn how to do that to reach a wider audience because nobody's promoting us except me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and you're better at it than I am. So I'm trying to look for ways to get this message in our program out. What I did was I spent 60 bucks. It got 25,000 eyeballs saw our show. Several people went to the podcast. Our, our stats are, I'm just going to read this. We had uh, 153 plays, which I still haven't figured that one out. 604 people downloaded our show, uh, or excuse me, embedded the player to listen to our show. Uh, and these are weekly stats, and this is an average. But what really blew me away is we went from 45 visits to our program to 1,132. 
just from spending that 60 bucks. And we had 237 downloads. I don't quite understand the difference between a download and the embed, although I do know most of the traffic is coming from my website, Jeff S. Morton. And also, so the podcast is where we're kind of hanging our hat. I have to renew those costs, and I'd like to explore this Facebook thing, but it does take money. So if you have money, because uh, we don't, or I don't, uh, and you can go to our, our, our podcast page and just – I have no problem asking you people for money. None. Zero. Zero. And I'll tell you why. Because if I can't come to the body for help, then there's no place for me to go. And I know that whenever I ask the Lord for something, he usually goes to the body too. So I'm just following his example. Uh, but on our podcast page, there's a donate button. Help us out. I mean, help us out if you can. Dina's real humble about this stuff. She wouldn't ask you for a dime. But Jeff Morton will. So consider that helping us to do a little bit more advertising of the program. And uh, one other thing, uh, let's see, oh, restoring, restoring Children International. You know, I always say if, if you do absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing will get done. I have a man who's trying to bring the Torah message and the Hebraic root to 22 young girls in Peru. It's a big passion of mine, and it's mine. I'm selfish. But uh, it takes, they need, they need about $6,000 a month to run their house. So I set up a page on Facebook, uh, and Rick kind of grabbed a hold of it, made sure all the dollars and nickels and dimes were going into their accounts, because I didn't do that. I don't have that information. But on Facebook, I have a challenge. I'm trying to get 2,000 of you to donate $5, because the goal is to reach $10,000 and to help them out. And I plan on going down there, and maybe even Dina, if, if timing works out, we can, we can go together, her husband, maybe my wife. Uh, but to go down there, and, and I'll tell you what, real quickly, the day that I left saying goodbye to these girls, they all got together, and they all wanted to say thank you to me individually. And I'll tell you, folks, I sat there for probably 45 minutes listening to these little girls say thank you. In the way said that one girl said to me, I've never known what it's like to have an uncle until now. And I'll tell you, I'm sitting here trying not to fall apart while these little beautiful girls are saying goodbye to me. And it was tough. It was hard to do. So I look forward to going back. But I know they need money. And I would just encourage you to find that one thing and make a difference in, in people's lives. Yeah. Find that one thing and make a difference. And if you can't find that one thing, I have one for you. It's on Facebook. <laughs> five dollars to try to help. I need two thousand of you to give me five dollars so that we can give it to this, these girls. So, Dina, that's that's all I've had to say. And and we are we are always interested in your comments. By the way, we read every comment you post on the website, on the Facebook page. So if you make a comment on our Facebook page, it's read. We read it. I don't know if Dina reads it as much as I do, but I read every one of them. I know you do, Dina. But I read every one of them. The key is to is to like the page, and that way, the moment you like the page, you get everything that we post. And when you go to the Podomatic page, when you follow us on the Podomatic page, every time I post an archive show, you get it. So that's the benefit of following us and liking us, even if you don't like us. Follow us, and you'll get our information. Okay, Dina, 
Do you have any any thoughts before we end the show? Uh, it's a hard act to follow. I just want to encourage people to support uh, Rick Davis Court and Restoring Children International. I mean that we can vouch. I do not like giving money to places I don't know who they are or where it's going or how much of it's going to get used. But when someone comes into my life, mano a mano, personal, I am more than happy to donate as much as you know I can. And so. I, I, this is something you guys can get behind, and so I just would really encourage you to support this. Yeah, and I'll give you a heads up. Uh, Dina and I uh, are leaving. Uh, on the, I'm leaving on the 10th of January, so we won't be doing a show that night. Uh, I might run an archive or something, but we're going to be getting together in Florida for the course that Rico and Joe and Dina are teaching. So. We, we got another busy month coming up, folks, and we just appreciate every one of you. Rosie, if you're listening, I want you to know that I sent that comment you made to, to Dina. She saw it. Uh, we really appreciate what you shared and what you said, and it, it means a lot to Dina to hear that kind of stuff. Amen. I know that. So uh, we do appreciate you all listening. Valerie, I know there's several of you listening, uh, and, and I know a lot of you go to our archives. So. I don't have anything else, Dean, if you want to close out the program. Okay, well, just a big shout-out to Rosie. I really appreciate your, your comments. They're very special. So we will all see you uh, here. You'll hear from us uh, next week, which is it the 4th? Next week's the 4th? I have no January idea. 4th? Yeah, I think so. So we'll have a no. show. It's not? No, I think we, it is. we will get together on the 3rd next week, Wednesday. I'm looking oh, okay, at the 3rd. I don't know what day it is. But uh, so, yeah, we'll have a show on the 3rd, and then we'll, again, like uh, Jeff said, we'll have an archive show playing on the 10th, and then we'll deal with whatever comes after that. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Shalom. Bye, everybody.